0: Hebrews <laughs> chapter 12. And I'm focused on 25.5. But in order to appreciate verse 25, you have to have some familiarity with verse 18. So starting from verse 18, just glimpsing at it for whoever's going to preach that text. He says, or he writes, you have not come, y'all in Hebrews 12, verse 18, you have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. Don't forget that verse. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn. Who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more, once more, not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. The letter that we call Hebrews is one of the best written letters in Scripture. Not for content, because all of Scripture is of the right content, but the Hebrew writer has a rhetorical approach that all of the writers in Scripture come second to. Hebrews may actually be less of an epistle and more of a sermon. less a sermon to be letter to be read, and more of a sermon to be preached. There's some techniques in the writing that suggest it's supposed to move the audience not only intellectually, but also emotionally. Not only to uh, fill their minds with the knowledge of the Word of God, but also to move that mind to have faith and trust in God. And as it is written as such, it is written surrounding a number of warnings and exhortations. And we come to the last warning and thereby the last exhortation. Verse 25 See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. And the title of this lesson. Is an offer we can't refuse. That's violence that are, those are words that are meant to express a threat, but at the same time, a promise. And I know, I know y'all know about the Godfather. As, As he was talking about making a deal for one of his people, someone asked, Well, what are you gonna do about so and so? And he answered very clearly, I'm gonna make him an offer. He can't refuse. But we're not here to talk about the Godfather. But you do need to know about our Father God, that everything is not just about rainbows and love and kindness and tender. That there is aspects of our God that we must respect him and fear him. Matter of fact, it closes, I believe that, of of course, the Hebrew writer is going to have some closing remarks, but the warning part closes with the understanding that our God is a consuming fire. And what the text is saying is that he speaking, he spoke before in times past, he spoke, verse 18: You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire, and a darkness and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg for him not to speak anymore. There was a time when God spoke and the recipients of the message were so afraid that they told Moses, you go find out what he's saying, come back, tell us what he said, but we don't want to hear him speak to us. There was a time when God spoke and they were afraid and could not endure. But now the writer very craftily and very uh, eloquently is telling them that the same God who spoke with lightning and darkness and fire and tempest and earthquakes in time's path, is the same God, not a new God, not a new mannered God, not a more graceful God. He's the same, the same God who shook the earth then is the same God who is speaking from now. There needs to be respect. For the one who is speaking, there is a threat, even in the writing, that lets them know this is not a God to be ignored. This is not some good, altruistic God who uh, just does whatever you want. Whenever you feel like he should, but this is a God that you need to respect his way and respect his word. And so the Hebrew writer from that, I want to I lift up three things from this thought. One of them is, is kind of about the text. Because I want to fall back on the fact that here you've got Christians who are being tempted to fall back into Judaism or Christians who will go into apostasy because of the coming, because of the trial that they are enduring now, but the intent or in, uh, growing increase of the trial that is coming in a few years, that, that the Hebrew writer is seeking reason with build up their faith he is seeking to reason with them in a way that's going to get them to stand firm to hold fast and to not fall back and the point I'd like to make here at a national lectureship among churches of Christ here In an audience with many preachers, with many church leaders, with many teachers and speakers, I'd like to point out the fact above the text, not within the text, but about the text, that this writer rises to the occasion and uses all of his skills and all of his learning to craft a message from the Word of God that's going to impact the hearts of people. And you might say, well, why are you making that point? Well, very quickly, very briefly, I want you to understand that when it comes to the faith of God's people we just can't get up and say whatever comes to mind we just can't allow our time to be taken away and then scrape up what little time we have to craft a message that's going to help God's people it takes some time and it takes some energy here's the point S- S- is always primary Style, Lord, some of y'all, I'm not going where y'all think I'm going because often the contrast is between substance and style. It ought not be a contrast. There ought to be a primary focus on substance, on the content of the Word of God. But there ought to be an understanding that substance is the proper way, or rather style is the proper approach to taking substance and making it work in the people's minds. And I want to be straight. That's why we can't. I'm guilty of it. Anybody saying amen. But everybody here has fallen into the trap of a midnight special. Go ahead, Judge, if you want to, but I I know I know how life is. Where we are trying to pull this together and pull that together. I've had I've had a few occasions where while we're taking communion. And while that may happen, that ought not be the norm to help God's people. It requires putting no time so you can get the content, but then putting in the time so you can know how to say it. You ought to know what to say, but you ought to put some time and creativity in your mind on how to say what to say in order to impact God's people. And so and so that's point number one. That's above the text. And then point number two, I really want you to see that Hebrews is a powerful argument for the unity of scripture. And if you can't say amen, old church would say, Well, somebody would say, Help them now, Lord. But the book of Hebrews is actually. An exposition in Scripture of Scripture. Let me do it one more time. Now, y'all get nervous. You hold your breath. When we say exposition, he is explaining Scripture. What's his purpose? To build up faith. The people are falling back. They are afraid. They're, 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 they're turning away from Christ. And so to help them with their faith, he exposes not a new thought. He does not give them a faith philosophy. He does not give them certain reasoning to help their faith. The Hebrew writer says, look at the scripture." I think it's a grand example of what exposition is all about. It is an an expose of Scripture. And so Hebrews is an exposition of Scripture in Scripture. And all through the text, one-third of 303 verses are from Hebrew Scriptures. And the message that the Hebrew writer has that we're centered on in 1223 is that God is speaking. I think you missed it. As he's talking about the, whole, the what we call the Old Testament, which is, you know, church. For a church that speaks where the Bible speaks and we're silent, where the Bible is silent. I want you to do the study. And see where, is there a place where Scripture calls the old, what we call the Old Testament, Old Testament. Y'all lost. I lost you. I lost myself. It's all right. I lost myself on that one. Let me re- let me back it up. You, you, would, you, would, you would be challenged to look in Scripture and see if there's any reference of the Old, you're referring to God's Word. Y'all can't say amen. You'll, you'll find plenty of Old Testament referring to the old covenant that is passed away. But when it comes to the word of God, none of God's word is passed away. All of God's word is relevant. Matter of fact, the Hebrew writer said that the word of God is alive. So when we throw Old Testament on a prophecy or Old Testament on a, he, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a psalm or Old Testament or a scripture, we have to be careful how to rightly divide what that means. All of the word of God is good for our faith. And so the Hebrew writer, yeah, you got to rightly divide certain passages. That's right. You got to rightly divide all passages. But you can't just say that none of it is right because it's Old Testament. All of it is the word of God. And so, number one, style is secondary to substance but necessary for persuasion. Number two, Hebrews is a powerful argument for the unity of Scripture. And then the thought that really is represented in our reading is that God is speaking. writer lifts up these Hebrew passages, and he is talking to the new covenant faith to let people know in the new covenant faith who have left Moses and now they're following Christ to keep on following Christ. How does he convince them? Through the word that was written by Moses. How does he convince people who have have left the old way, and now have embraced the Messiah, how, he, how does he convince him, them to keep on trusting in the Word? He tells them all through the passage, all through the letter that God is speaking. His opening, chapter 1, verse 1, God who at various times, and then, Divers ways, spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. His issue is that God is speaking. Amen. Verse, ver, matter of fact, his first exhortation, chapter 2, verse 1 we must give more earnest heed to the things we have. Heard, lest at any time we let them sleep. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word, the, but they didn't preach to us, he says, as it was to them of the past, but they did not mix it with faith. Over and over and over again through the scripture, he is telling them that God is speaking. So that when he gets to chapter 12, in verse 25, his final warning is to see that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. How is he speaking? He's speaking through Moses. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting argument out of verse 24. It says, "And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, see that you do not refuse the one who is speaking." Well, people have argued. Well, who is speaking? Is it Jesus through His blood, or is it God who is speaking to everybody? I want you to. I want to answer it by saying, "I, I take a. I take a cheap shot answer. I say both of them. That." God is speaking like He has been speaking, He spoke through the prophets, He spoke through Moses, he spoke through angels, he spoke through weather, he spoke through a donkey's ass, he, uh, he spoke He spoke through a men of old. he spoke through women, he spoke through all, and he's speaking through Jesus. As a matter of fact, not only did he speak through all of them, but even the writing of the Hebrew writer, God is speaking to their faith. And what it does is it ought to help help us remember something that we've already accepted is that the Bible is the word of God. Not a dusty historical book that tells us of time's past. that if you want to hear God speak, you need to start digging into the word of God. You are not looking at what God said. You are looking at what God is saying. You need to know what he is saying to your situation. You need to know how he is addressing what you are going through it's written to them but it's written for us because an eternal God is continuing to speak in 20, 2015 it was a rough year for the Wilson that was the year I had my heart attack amen I made it relax I'm doing better Amen. Uh, matter of fact, after I got out of the hospital, I finished up my classwork and graduated with my uh, master's in human services. Amen. The kids finished up school. That was in March. We finished up all of our schoolwork around April, and uh, rather June. Then July, we said, we're all going to go. Let's go to Myrtle Beach. And so celebrating life, Went to Myrtle Beach, pocket full of money. Y'all say amen when you can. And uh, lo and behold, the boys um, trying out jet skis had a terrible accident. Uh, And uh, David, my oldest son, broke his, both of them had broken legs. David's foot was cut up, but he was awake. Dominic, my 15-year-old, he was 15-year-old at that time. Um, he hit a pole. Hey Amen. Y'all, please. He's all right. He's, he's okay. He's. I, I know you're in the story with me, but he, but he hit a pole. Grace is all through this story. He hit a pole. It was going too fast. Hit a pole. He was knocked unconscious. But by the time in shallow water with his face up, praise God. Uh, but by the time we got him and situated, got him to the hospital, he had been unconscious for enough and groggy, to where the, uh, the technicians didn't want to take a chance. So they put him under what's called a medically induced coma. Because they, they weren't sure about his neck, his brace, his bones, his head. So they put him to sleep. All right. And that wrecked me because I I knew he was going to be all right. By faith, I believe he's going to be all right. Once he landed face up in the water, I knew he was going to be all right. But I didn't know if he knew that he was going to be all right. So while they had him under an induced coma, I was a wreck. You know, because I couldn't talk to, to Dominic. Me and Dominic had a relationship where he listened to his father. Where if he was acting up in school and I was on a gospel meeting, I don't care how far away I was, I could call home and get, say, say to Kathy, get him on the phone. And if I could just talk to Dominic, he could go back to school. Too. Don't have to touch him, don't even have to be there. He had a way, we had a relationship where if he could just hear me, he'd get himself straight. But now I'm in trouble because he's in a coma. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if he's got pain or fear. All I know is he's asleep, and I can't talk. I was a wreck in Myrtle Beach, pocket full of money, couldn't enjoy nothing. Because my boy was out of touch with his father. Y'all. And, and so about two days later, they finally said, well, we're going we're gonna to reduce the medication. And Dominic is going to start to come out of the coma, but not fully. And they, they told me that he'll be able to hear what you say. So, I was ready. When the, when, the, when the medication was, after a while, they said you could try and see if you could talk with him. I put my finger in his hand, like I did when he was a baby, and said, Dominic, if you could hear me, Dominic squeeze my finger, and he squeezed my finger. Dominic, if that's really you. <laughs> hit squeeze it twice for yes pop pop i said so dominic you can hear me he said pop pop squeeze my finger i knew at that moment that he could hear his father's voice This true story. I didn't tell him, Daddy and Mama, with you. I didn't tell him it's gonna be all right. I didn't tell him uh, that everything's going. You know, it's gonna work out. I said to him in that moment, "Do you understand? The Bible says we are more than conquerors through Christ. Who, if you understand that, squeeze twice. He squeezed twice, and I was all right. I went out, spent some money, because I knew he was in trouble." But I also knew that he heard his father's voice, and his father's voice wasn't telling him things from his father's heart. His father's voice was telling him what God had to say. Y'all don't get it, but I'm not talking about me and Dominic. I'm talking about you and God. Are you listening to what God has to say? Are you so hurt that you can't? pain? Are you crying so much that you can't listen? Are you in so much pain that you can't hear him? If you could ever get over your pain and start hearing him, if you could look through your tears and start hearing him, if you could get over your fear and start hearing him, then he's going to tell you that I'm going to make a way out of no way. I'm going to give you victory. The- victory. victory over every enemy. I'm going to lift you up and make you the head, not the tail. If you can hear him, then your faith is going to be all right. That's right for the Hebrew audience and that's right for you and I, even tonight. That whatever we're faced with, whatever situation we're dealing with, Never take our ears, our mind, our heart off of what God has to say. Even tonight, this may be a night that somebody needs to refocus. And I've been in a, a member since I was nine. So I know about the need to refocus. I know how you could be in the right situation that you for... So much, so often, that you start to take it for granted. I know what it is to preach the Word of God and and grow dull of hearing. I know what it is to, to, to study the Word of God and think you're studying it for performance rather than studying it for growth. But maybe a word like this would help somebody say, I need to start paying attention. I don't need to quote scripture so much that I can't hear it myself. I don't need to be able to tell everybody the context and, and break down the, the, the structure of a passage to where I can't hear the passage telling me about my life. And maybe a lesson like this, move somebody to recommitment. Or maybe even move someone to follow after Christ. You have a grand opportunity even now that whatever you are, whatever you've been doing, that you can hear God say, stop. We we have a God who's got the power to destroy us, but he's showing us over and over again the love and mercy to forgive us.